0: It's time now for another look into God's infallible book, and we welcome you to another broadcast of The Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan. It's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week as we take just a few minutes to look into the Word of God, allow the Spirit of God to teach us from His Word. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power an authority. We are Bible believers. We trust God's word. We believe God's word. We understand that we have it preserved for us through history where we can read it in our own language and we look to God's word for instruction. And uh, you know, it's it, it, when you do that and you're going to believe what God says rather than the speculations and the uh, the guesses of human viewpoint, there's a great um, a great comfort, a great solidity and a great foundation that we can stand on. And uh, I, I, I say that looking out at the world around us and the mess that the world is in. I, I say, boy, it's good to have something that you can trust. Jesus said, thy, when he prayed in John 16, 17, uh, right before the cross, he said, praying to the Father, he said, sanctify them, talking about his, his apostles, by thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you want reality... If you want to understand and be able to explain the world that you live in, you want to understand sin and death and, and and life and man's history, you want to understand what reality is, then the only place you're going to get that is going to be from God's Word. And when you do that, when you have God's Word to give you, the, it's the ultimate source of reality— you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way because I am the truth. I'm, I, I'm the truth because I am the life. It all centers in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, capital W. It's a name, proper name, John one, 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there's God the Father, and there's God the Word. And the Word, you know, all things were made by him. And, and without him was not anything made that was made. Here's the creator God, and he's called the Word. He's the Word. He's the chief speaker of the Godhead. So if you want to know God, the creator, the ultimate source of life, the ultimate source of reality, you have to look to his Word. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ is called the Word with a capital W. He is the chief spokesman of the Godhead. He reveals God. John 1, 14, he says, the Word became flesh. That's the incarnation. That's Jesus Christ being born into our humanity. The Word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld his glory even as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ manifests the Father. He manifests who God is. You don't have to run around wondering who God is. You don't have to run around thinking God is... is um, you know, the the the, uh, the the sticks and stones and rocks around you, uh, you can know who the creator God of the universe really is. And you know him by finding him in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Word of God. And that Word of God, the living Word, wrote a book that's also called the Word of God, with a little w. And it's the written Word of God that manifests the living Word of God, who is the creator, Jeremiah chapter two. You, you know, it's interesting. Mankind thinks we've advanced so much. If you go out here in the twenty first century and you look, you talk to scientists, and they talk to you about the discoveries of science and how it's 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 uh, 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 taking us away from all the the uh, pagan unnecessary crutches of religion, and and I, and I agree with that <laughs> because you see to think that mythology has anything to do with the Bible. Or to think that Christians have anything to do with mythology. I understand Christendom. That is the apostatized version, the institutional religionized version of Christianity that really went out and assimilated all this pagan Anything that was religious, it would assimilate it in order to get a political advantage over them. That's not Bible-believing Christianity. That's people usurping religion into the name of Christ. But when you look at the Bible and you become a Bible believer, and that's why I tell you on this program, we are Bible believers. Uh, you say, Who are you, Brother Rick? I'm a Bible believing dispensationalist. <laughs> that's who I am. And I say that, that tells you how I study the Bible dispensationally, but it tells you where my authority lies. And I look around and I see people, they say, Well, you know, we we, we just evolved out of, out of creation. Back in Jeremiah chapter two, verse twenty seven, Listen at this. Uh, here, here's what Jeremiah Jeremiah's facing. People say, you know, science has advanced us so far. Eh, not really. You want to hear an evolutionist 700 years before the time of Christ? Did you know there were people back there that believed in evolution 700 years, 600 and 700 years before the time of Christ? Jeremiah talks about them, Jeremiah 2.27, saying, the, saying to the stocks. Here, here's, what the, here's what the apostates said. Here's what the unbelievers said. Saying to the stock. That is a stump, a piece of wood. Thou art my father. And to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. For they have turned their back unto me, God says, not their face. But in the, in the time of their trouble, they shall say, arise and save us. They, they hear people that think they, that, that their father is a piece of nature, that the earth is. They, they evolved out of out – of crea- in other words, they think that they evolved out of plant life and stone life, and that's the, just another version of – you see, evolution is really a religion that is an ancient religion trying to tell you that where you came from is nature and not God. And they've worked themselves into this religious frenzy of attributing their source and their origin to nature. So evolution in our day is simply the application of science, falsely so-called, to the philosophy of pagans that Jeremiah warned about, warned Israel about. And they had existed since Genesis chapter 11 yeah there, there's nothing really new under the sun <laughs> It's really a truth and if you ever talk to someone who is a evolutionist or someone who says well the science disproves the bible you're dealing with those people back back there you're dealing with exactly what they were doing. it's a spiritual problem and i and i and i look at the world around us and i say look look at the mess we're in <laughs> and uh, when you see it you say where did it come from And, folks, that's where it comes from. It comes from a a spiritual issue. We just spent spent a whole week without a television. I didn't see the news. I didn't have to listen to Fox News or MSNBC or ABC, CBS, NBC. I didn't have to listen. I didn't didn't read the, the newspapers. I was a whole week with saints from all over the country, focusing on studying the Bible. We had a meeting at 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, 4 in the afternoon, and 7 at night. That's five hours of Bible teaching and preaching every day for a whole week, and then in between you had fellowship with the saints about what they were learning. And we spent that whole week, and then we went home, <laughs> and I turned on the television, and there is all this stuff coming over the transom about terrible things that had happened during the week that we were disconnected. And the question says, "How in the world? How in the world did you get in the, the war, getting the mess that we're in?" Well, <laughs> the the fact is that um, when you are watching the culture around you disintegrate, and by the way, our culture is disintegrating. Um. The drift is over. Now I realize that the church, and especially the so-called evangelical church, is they they either are navel-gazing or backward-looking. There's something strange about the the so-called evangelical church, uh, and it's a spiritual uh, blindness, frankly, but they're always looking at the past, did you know that uh, all the they, – they, they talk about let's build the mega churches and let's do the mega – they don't have any influence in the world. Ten years ago, I, I saw a study recently about that ten years ago there were 400 churches in America that, are, that were over 10,000 in number. Today, there are 40. You know what that means? That means the, the peak has happened and they're on the way down. And all you folks who have been thinking that gain is godliness, well, reality begins to set in, doesn't it? And you say, "Well, we see our culture moving into where into darkness." I mean, our culture. Think of America, the 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 shining city on a hill that 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 Reagan always quoted. Now he's quoting somebody else, you know that. But anyway, he his and he's right. I've been around the world, preached in uh, in, in various continents and parts of uh, of, of the planet, and all you have to do is tell someone you're from America, and they have a, a special attitude, and it's not, always, it's not negative. Even in countries that are negative politically toward us, you find people that, wow, you're Americans, land of the free. <laughs> That's what they know. And there's a yearning for that freedom, and there's a yearning for the prosperity, frankly, the luxury that America represents to the world. And with that flaming torch of freedom and prosperity and liberty and all that stuff that's out there in the minds of people who have less in all those categories than we do. Imagine America can't even define what marriage is. Well, the government never was supposed to define marriage. Marriage is not a government institution. It's not a church institution. You see, when you let the church define things, then you let the government define it. Marriage is a creation institution. It's defined by the creator. And when you, it came right off the drawing board of heaven, folks. And if you let someone else define it, then you're going to wind up where we are today. And you watch our culture just disintegrate. Isaiah 5 verse 20 said about Israel before they went into captivity, and God destroyed that nation that had rebelled against him. So he said they call good evil and evil good. You see, in our culture, the drift is over. We're not drifting sideways. If the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The foundation's been destroyed. And you're just watching the building come down. The planes have already landed into the tower, and now you're watching the buildings collapse. By the way, if you're a Bible believer, you're going to understand this. You're going to have to get ready to go underground, as it were. Did you know that you can travel around the world and find believers? And most often, the believers are sort of underground, as it were, because the government and the systems don't want them. Well, that's nothing new, The collapse that you see, the mess that you see around you, and and by the way, it's not just America. People say, well, it's so bad in this country. Listen, it's better here on any area than it is most anywhere else in the world. People talk about how bad the economics are. They're worse every other place. People talk about how bad race relations are. They're worse almost every other place. People talk about how bad—listen— America is still ahead of everybody else, and we're in a mess. Think of what the rest of the world's like. You see, America's just going the way of all flesh, the way of mankind. So if you want to understand what's happening and how it came about and what to do about it, the answer's going to be found in the Word of God. Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul. Paul's our Apostle. He's the apostle of the Gentiles. So if you want to understand how the Gentiles, that word just means the nations, in the dispensation of grace, God has set the nation Israel, his special nation, aside and temporarily gone out among the Gentiles to form out of the Gentile nations, all the nations of the earth, a agency called the church, the body of Christ. He's going to call out of the nations a people that he's going to form into a spiritual body of believers, not a physical body, a spiritual body of believers. God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands today. You don't go to a church building and find God. You go somewhere to a church building, and they tell you they have God in a little box up behind an altar. Run. That's not where God is. Today, God lives in the hearts. He lives in the body. He lives in his people. So, you see, you can't fake this today. Our body, Paul says, don't what? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right to the Corinthian believers. And by the way, the Corinthian believers were were probably the most unattractive believers that Paul wrote to. Someone told me recently, said, well, certainly so and so's in heaven. They were such good people. Good people don't go to heaven, folks. Do you understand that? Good people are not who goes to heaven. The people that go to heaven are lost people. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to save good people. He came to save bad people because everybody's a bad people. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you think through your goodness you're going to measure up to God's righteousness, well, cut off my legs and call me shorty. You're not going to get there. You say, well, I'm better than so-and-so. You know, go in the room of 100 people. You can find somebody you're better than. Look around. Hey, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that guy. The problem you have is you're going to keep looking and you find somebody better than you. You're not at the head of the line. You know who's at the head of the line? Jesus Christ. He was without sin. Now, how are you doing with that one? Well, I know how you're doing. You're not doing so good, are you? You're a sinner. You know how many times Adam and Eve had to sin get kicked out of the Garden of Eden? One time, that was all. You see, you already qualify. You're a sinner. The Bible says that God's a pure eyes cannot behold sin. Well, you can't make it then. Because you're a sinner, you don't qualify. You qualify to go to hell. You qualify. I mean, think about it. Revelation 21, eight says that the, 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 the fearful and unbelieving and abominable, whoremongers and sorcerers, said, Brother Rick, that's not me, I'm not any of that. Well, then it says, and all liars. How you doing with that one? Got you there, didn't we? Yeah, he got me. He got you. All liars shall have their part. Your lie earns you a wage. The wages of sin is death. Here's what you get for your lie, for your sin. Now, your sin might be better than somebody else's sin. Not might, might not be as wicked as someone's sin, but in compared to God. They that compare themselves among themselves is not wise. Don't compare yourself with everybody else. Compare yourself with, with God. Compare yourself with Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Shall have their part in the lake of fire, the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, the wages of sin is not just put you to bed with a shovel and hang you out in a skull orchard somewhere. The second death is the death of your inner man, not just your outer man, your inner man. And the place where your inner man is separated from God forever, a place called hell and the lake of fire. Now, whatever you want to make that, that's separation from God for eternity and the ultimate consequences of your sins you'll reap forever. You say, well, boy, that's not good news. No, that's not good news. But the good news is that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, what God did, what the good news is, is that when you couldn't and you didn't deserve it, you didn't even want it, God could, Jesus did deserve it, and he gave it to you, and God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'll say it to you again. God's love is not tied to your finances. It's not tied to the condition of your health. It's not tied to your romantic life. It's tied to one event in human history, and that's the cross work of Jesus Christ. here in his Herein is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. And God made him to be sin. The Bible says that God delivered him up for our offenses. Get that. He delivered him up for our offenses. He handed him over as a sacrifice for your sin. Why? God delivered him up for our God made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, he delivered him up for us all. Then he raised him from the dead, that he might justify, that is, declare us to be righteous. If the wages of sin is death, and Jesus Christ died and put away all of our sin, then it's not possible for death to hold him. So He, God raised him from the dead, so that he could demonstrate all of our sin is done away with. Therefore, his resurrection is like a receipt that says paid in full, all sins taken care of, death is dealt with, put out of the way, and life I can give you. Now that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. There's the finality, all of our sin are paid for, all of our sin is dealt with, the guilt, the shame, the failure, the bondage, the... the, uh, Oh, mess that sin gets us in is taken care of, and then new life is put in its place, and that's the Christian life. And it's not something you gain because you did something. It's something that's given to you because he did something. And when you trust exclusively in what he did, the Bible says that the gospel, the good news of Christ, the gospel of Christ is that he died for our sins, was buried and rose again for our justification. The gospel is not just the death, burial, and resurrection, by the way. It's that he died for our sins. The reason for his death was you were a sinner, I was a sinner, and our sin was going to condemn us to death eternally. So Jesus Christ paid for everything that's wrong with me and you. And then God raised him from the dead so that he could give us eternal life. The wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that good news, and you notice, there's no religion in there. I didn't say anything about going to church. I didn't say anything about tithing. I didn't say anything about you know ceremonies and sacraments that you keep correctly. I just this is something between you and the Creator. Got nothing to do with religion. Got nothing to do with where you go to church, whether you go to church or don't go to church. It's got to do between you and God. And that's all the issue is, is between you and God. It's a personal thing. Someone I asked someone recently if they knew where they're gonna spend eternity. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, That's a rather personal question. I said, I know it is. That's why I ask you personally. You see this between you and you and God and when the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation, nothing is ever going to solve your sin problem but the cross work of Jesus Christ. But notice how that verse says, Romans 1.16, the gospel of Christ is the power of God to everyone that believes. It's not the power of God just because it's there for you. In order for you to get connected with the power of God unto salvation, you have to believe. Now, what does believing mean? I was raised in religion. They, I thought believing was doing something. You probably think that too. Because we're conditioned in our mind we want to do something. Romans 4, he says, to him that works not, I, I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> well, I, I, I am doing nothing. To him that works not, there goes religion. There goes turning over a new leaf. There goes everything I do. To him that works not, why? Well, if it's of works, it's no more grace. To him that works is the reward reckoned of debt and not of grace. I'm reading Romans four, verse four and five. You're not gonna put God in your in your in your debt. If you work, you're trying to pay the debt yourself. You never get there. To him that works not but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Since when your faith rests exclusively in the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Savior that he died for you to be and rose again to give you, when you do that, God saves you that instant. He takes you and he puts you into his son. He had done, He no longer looks at you in yourself and your resources, failing as they are and your sin. He sees you in his son. God made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why this is a supernatural, personal intervention of God in your life that you can't fake with religion. I hope you've trusted Christ as your Savior. I hope you know for sure that you have his life. If not, you can't. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to move a muscle. You don't have to pray. You just, God looks at your heart and won't see your faith resting in his Son. And the moment he sees that, then he'll save you. He'll, put, he'll count Jesus' death as yours and his life as yours. And it's a personal, spiritual transaction that's yours simply by faith in Christ Jesus. Then you can enjoy that life. Then you can understand why we study the Bible. Then that life can become life for you. Can I offer you a, a Bible study that would help you with that? If you have any questions about it, some of our listeners, are already, you're, you're saved and you get confused by religion. The Bible studies and call God's Grace Factory. How that you go in one end of the center, and you come out the other end, a trophy of God's grace. It's an exposition of Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like to give it to you, either a CD or a DVD. You call me at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. 888-535-2300. You call and ask for the Bible study, God's Grace Factory and we'll see that you get a free copy. If you have questions about your own situation, the, the people that answer the phone, they'll be happy to talk with you out of an open Bible. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. Could also invite you to fellowship with us today at Shorewood Bible Church. We meet this morning at 930, 1045, 6 p.m. tonight. Our church building is located at 1900 Hicks Road in Rolling Meadows. If if you know where Highway if you know where the Arlington Park Racecourse is, you know where we are. Because Arlington Park Racecourse is Highway 53 in Euclid. You go east on Euclid. If you just go west on Euclid, Highway 53, and the first road, the first sign, as soon as you get off 53, the, the light there at Euclid, is uh, that's Hicks Road, and we're just to the north there. 1900 Hicks Road. We'd be honored to have you today. And if you have questions about what we've talked about, there'll be people there that could sit and share with you out of an open Bible. is the number to call. ShorewoodBibleChurch.org is our website. All of our services, by the way, are webcasts, so you could watch us today there also. But we'd be honored to have you with us today. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. Be sure and be with us next week this same time. Till then, Maranatha.